Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. I saw an ad the other day for a really popular DIY show centered on organization. And the clip showed some famous Hollywood A-listers surrounded by clutter, reaching out to a dynamic organizational duo, asking them to make over, overhaul, and corral all their chaos. The scene showed these two women in like a triage state, sweeping in with baskets and buckets, hooks and hangers, color-coded labels, basically the entire stock of the container store in order to restore order to disheveled closets, toy rooms, garages, you name it. And while at first glance, the spaces looked completely transformed and magnificent at the very end of the show, exactly what the homeowners wanted. But as I looked closer, I thought about it for a second, and here's what I know about organization. A system a container, maybe a pricey shelving unit is only worth its salt if it can be sustained over the long haul. Similar to a crash diet where a woman loses all kinds of weight quickly but never learns how to maybe eat nutritious meals or never deals with the underlying reasons why she perhaps put on the weight to begin with, a quick fix organizational system is doomed to failure if the guest stars don't ever learn how to maintain the new structure. Now, I never watched the show, so I don't know what the outcome is, but I have to wonder what the closets and kitchens looked like six weeks after the big reveal. Our guest today is here to teach us how to organize for the long haul, to make over our spaces in a way that will work for us, not add more work for us. Please help me welcome Christy Clover to the podcast. She's a wife to Steve, homeschooling mother to five, host of the Simply Joyful podcast and author of MOM, Master Organizers of Mayhem. Welcome, Christy. Thanks so much for having me. Great intro. I'm like, amen, amen. (laughs) Well, that leads me to my first question. I know you're super passionate about organization, you know, all of your spaces on the internet just show us how organized you are and what a gift you have in that. But I'm wondering, have you always been organized or was there maybe a catalyst that changed the way that you keep your home and your life? Oh no, I was the messiest child. You can ask anyone in my life um, from like, you know, just all my life until college. College is when I started getting a little bit more organized. And I think that had more to do with, I was thrown into like a dorm room. So I had another, in fact, when I first went to college, I had two other people living with me. So I just started learning that I can be spatially organized. So that's kind of how I describe myself as I'm a spatial organizer. I can, like, in fact, to my kids, I call myself, I'm the queen of Tetris. Like when it comes to like getting things to fit. So um, we had a time when my boys were so funny because they're like, it's not going to fit. We were moving this huge dresser into my girl's room. And I'm like, it will, it will fit. I promise you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> it did. Um, but like by millimeters, like it like barely fit, but it did. But yes, no, I struggled and I did not really start trying to get organized until after I had kids. So I was already in the midst of things. And my journey really began in the midst of what I refer to as my darkest days. I had two babies, we had just moved and we were in that state of life where when they say everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, it was totally our case. My husband was covering two territories so he was just gone. The house we moved into um, was not finished. So we literally moved into this new house. It was supposed to be like this dream new house. Cause I was like, yay, it's all ours. And it had no doors, no hot water. You know, I had two babies, it was freezing cold and you know, for, for San Diego in February, (laughs) but you know, just all these things that we had both between Steve and I, we had three surgeries that were completely unexpected. And, um, you know, we had marriage strife, we had issues with kids, we had all this stuff happening all around us. And it kind of got me to this point where I realized I can't control everything. I'm just like, you know, control freak here, but like, I realized I can't, I, cannot control all the situations in my life, but I can make changes in some areas. And for me, that was an organization. And I realized it wasn't so much like, I need to figure out where to put the silverware. For me, it was, okay, how do I structure things and just create some systems to start getting a, you know above the insanity that was happening around us? So that was kind of like the phase one of me starting my journey because I just basically started devouring everything I could find that was about, you know, how to get organized. And I started, you know, asking friends. So part of the book, I talk about how um, gleaning and tweaking is a big part of it. So I glean from others and I tweak it to work in my family. Um, so that was a big part of it for me, especially in the beginning is just reaching out to people. I'm like, I struck, like, <laughs> my name is Christy Clover and I struggle with paper piles. That is like mm-hmm. literally my confession. Like I still do to this day. In fact, I'm looking around, I'm like, I, I got a couple right in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I heard three things that you said. One, it didn't start out that you were, you know, Miss Super Organized Mom. That is so refreshing for the rest of us or redeeming perhaps to know that we can get there. Like it is possible. And two, I like the fact that you mentioned that you're, I think you said space organizer or stuff organizer. I do think there's a difference because I feel like I can organize paper really well and create systems with paper. Um, and I'm getting better at stuff, but I think it takes, it's two different skills and two different brain spaces. Um, and the third thing is there was a catalyst in your life that, that maybe demanded or required a little bit more organization from you. And from that, that really propelled you or launched you or gave you a reason to sort of get your house in order for lack of a better way to say that. But what would you say to the person who says, okay, she's a type A. I'm not, therefore I can't be organized and things that like systems and storage solutions are just too restrictive. What would you say to that mom who's sitting there maybe thinking those things as she listens today? That's a great question. And really, I think that organization, number one, we have to erase the word perfect from organization. It doesn't exist in the definition. So, you know, there's no perfection. Organization is literally about creating efficiency in your home so that you can have more time. So you're kind of freeing up time by not spinning your wheels all day long. So if there are people out there that are completely happy in their mess and they don't need to call in a hazmat team and Mm -hmm. their family is thriving and they don't have a lot of commitments, then maybe they're okay. But if they're thinking I need to get more, if there's something in them that thinks 
I need something better. If it's not like a competition thing, like Susie Joe, she has her house, like, you know, all categorized by color. Yeah. Like the competition needs to be erased too from organization. It's about what works for you and your family. And so for that type A person uh, or that non-type A person who is looking for more structure, there's lots of ways. I, I am all about like just trying to create ways in your home just to get done more quickly. So if it's laundry, like we all have laundry, right? <laughs> Unless we live in a nudist colony, which we don't. So <laughs> we all have laundry. So there's just different techniques for getting laundry done that could free up that person's time. And same in the kitchen and same with kids' toys. So you might have people that want to, you know, categorize everything and have bins. I was like that when I, when I first started learning how to organize and I feel so bad for my children. Cause I had like bins. I'm like, Nope, the cars go in this bin. Nope. This goes in this bin. Like I had too many bins. And so that would not work well for some moms. And it, it kind of worked for us, but now I'm like, here's a basket. <laughs> so put all the toys in a basket. In fact, that show you're referring to, I have the book and that was one of the things that um, made my, my stomach turn just a little bit. They literally did a playroom for a celebrity and um, the cars in that room had a bin for the blue cars, a bin for the red cars, a bin for the yellow cars. And I'm thinking, what child can do this? So when you're creating systems and you're getting organized, you have to tweak it to work in your home. And it has to be something that your kids can learn too. Because I always say like, whether it's decluttering or what it is, that everything in your home needs to have a home. So if it's important enough to keep, it needs to be important enough to assign it to a place. And here's the key, your kids need to know where that place is and have the ability to put it in there themselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Even when you have little kids, you know, no matter yep. how little your kids are, you can design a system and put it in place where even a toddler can return it back to its place. Otherwise, this blessing suddenly becomes a burden and it's not really organization anymore. Right. Oh, exactly. And I will say this for my, my little bin system that I had when the kids were smaller. It, they were open top bins so they could see in it. So like if there were cars in the bin, they knew that the cars went with the cars. So that part, that part I got right. I could have probably put like a picture on the front of it or something, but I think for kids, you need to simplify. And so you can't have too much unless they are that, you know, like it was, every, hopefully most homes have one of that child that just gets it, <laughs> just light bulb <laughs> goes off and they get it. Um, and they like to be organized, but not everybody does. And some of us have a combination of all of it. So. Yeah. I like that. I like that you addressed that. It's not just organization in space, but like time, like it's time savers and sanity savers. And so it makes me think about just recently, I did an Instagram story on how I take one hour a day. And now that's because some of my kids are older, you know, I have this hour mm -hmm. and I use it for organizing an area of my home or a project, but you know, my kids are a little older. Not all moms listening to this have a luxury mm -hmm. hour. And so if a mom only had 10 minutes in a day, let's say, what are some of the quick fix things that you can think of that will make the biggest impact in the organization of her home? 
So for every mom out there, I mean, cause again, like you said, there's seasons, right? We all have those different seasons. There are seasons where suddenly, you know, like for me, I'm like, oh, my husband isn't traveling as much. And so I'm like, yay, I have help, <laughs> you know, right. but for every mom out there, it has to be personalized. So I can tell you start here, but if that's not your biggest problem area, then that doesn't help. So what I try to encourage everyone, step one is identify what that problem area is and whether you want to team up with your spouse and figure that out, but just walk through your house. And if you have that thing, we all, you know what I mean? Like we all have that, that thing, that place that you're like, that is going to seriously give me an ulcer. Like I can't yeah. take looking at that mess or if there's just something like a system that seems broken. So for a long time, here's an example. Um, sweatshirts were on the floor and it drove me batty. I'm like children closet and the sweatshirts would be on the floor in front of the closet. And I'm like, mm -hmm. we come in, we hang up our coat. And I kept going, we hang up our coat. This is how we do it. And um, what I realized is that one of my children was so sweet to say, mommy, I can't reach the hanger. And my big brother, you know, like mm -hmm. the big brother wasn't around. And I was like, oh, right. So what I did in that case, uh, you could hang a, a, sh a shorter bar for them, but I just put on the inside of the closet door, I put a little adhesive hooks. And so they just learned to hook their sweatshirts up there. So you have to create systems that work. And so we practiced that and it became like a little play thing. Hey, we're going to go out. Okay. We're coming back in. Okay. Let's hang it up. So for me, that was my 10 minute solution. You know, I, one day I ordered the hooks the next day they went up and then as soon as they went up, we were teaching the kids how to do it. So you need to identify like, what is that thing you're stepping over that's driving you berserk? Because that is what's going to bless you the most. So if you only have 10 minutes, just look and see what is the priority thing in my house that needs to be fixed. So maybe it's counters, maybe it's dishes, maybe it's, you know, shoes or sweatshirts or Legos on the floor. Um, there's all kinds of things that people can start with. And it's, it's crazy how like little things can help. So like I mentioned Legos, a great quick fix for that. If you feel like there's small toys everywhere in your house, obviously you need to at some point take the time to get those up. But what we've trained our kids to do is anytime they're playing with anything small and I'll help them to identify that. So like Legos is one, they put a blanket out when they were younger. And so they mm -hmm. put a blanket out so that the area was contained, that those small pieces were worst case, I'm grabbing the corners of the blanket and moving it somewhere <laughs> instead of putting it in the correct bin. But you know, you have those moments where you're like, Oh, we need to clean up fast. <laughs> so you know, but there's little tiny solutions. So to, I hope that answered that question from the standpoint of you have to personalize it. Um, and so identify what your problem area is and then start being strategic about finding solutions for it. Oh, I love that. I love that blanket idea. And for me, it's my pantry. It's like, if I could just do one shelf at a time, and that's sometimes what I do if I just don't have a lot of time, but I have 10 minutes and I can, okay, let me just do all the canned stuff, check the mm -hmm. dates, get rid of the stuff that's out of date and just do that. And that really helps. But sometimes it's a big project. You know, it's those large yes. organizational projects like your garage or your attic or your whole closet. It's like, I've got to get this thing done, but it seems so overwhelming that we don't even know where to begin. And are, are there any methods that you recommend for eating the elephant one bite at a time? I mean, how do we even begin to tackle that? Oh, well, but I, so let's say, let's just use the garage as an example. So yeah, I'm not going to say I've got 10 minutes. I'm going to organize my garage. I right. think everybody can attest to the fact that that's completely unrealistic. 
So for a larger project like that, or maybe it is you're going to, you know, clean out your closet that's going to take more than 10 minutes. So like you were saying, you can do one shelf at a time, but for a project like the garage, um, what I do is I create a list. So I create a list and I'll stand in the garage and be like, well, first of all, all this stuff probably doesn't belong. So decluttering is going to be one. Um, so I'm going to do, I'm going to need to declutter it. So I'm probably going to need to empty it out. Um, so I'm going to need to find time. So for some projects, I'll literally mark it on my calendar. I'll either have a friend come over and help watch, or I'll do it on a weekend when I know my husband's home. I will clear our calendar so I can do a project. But other times, I just have to break that project into baby steps. And that's what I like to kind of refer to. I just break it down. So maybe for the garage, maybe I can only do, like you said, a shelf at a time. So I've got you know, a shelving system in there. So maybe I'm going through that pulling out bins. Maybe it's just, I've got to get through and I've got three piles of donation things. So let's get all those together and take a trip to the donation area. So it really depends on the project that you're working on, but breaking it down into smaller bite-sized pieces is the key because it feels good. And here's my other, my other weird thing because I am a list girl. And I mean, I can do some of those things mentally. I don't make a list for every project, but when I'm feeling overwhelmed by a large project, it helps me to break it down and then I put like little check marks and I have been known to like, if I do something and it's not on the list, I just write it on there and I check it off and it makes me feel so good. <laughs> I like I accomplished too. something. So <laughs> I love to just cross things off my list. It's very satisfying. Yeah. It is so satisfying. And I think a list is helpful for those 10 minute projects too. Like if you walk around your house and do some troubleshooting, just thinking about yep. um, what needs to be addressed, make a quick list. That way, when you do have those empty moments in the day, those 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, you don't have to expel any time thinking about what you should be spending that time on. You just consult your list and go to the next thing on the list. Absolutely. And actually one thing in the book, um, so within the book, I, I, I talk about how to be very strategic about how to create specific lists and, um, and how to, you know, just kind of collect your thoughts on other things that you're trying to get done in the house. And so within the book, I actually have um, links to different printables. That, so it's all there. So it's just really easy. So people can just go and print those up and then they have what they need for, you know, the different printables and things that would help them to, to make a list that makes sense. Cause I have like a strategic way. I even organize my list um, and how, you know, I'll put like the problems on one side and I'll start brainstorming on another side. And then I have an area where I'm identifying like this, <laughs> this is what I need to get done first. That's good. And obviously the, the big projects that you just have to eat that elephant one bite at a time, that seems like such a huge investment in it, in time and energy and even emotional um, energy. But once it's done, then you go into maintenance mode and then you can just tackle it for a few minutes here, a few minutes there to just tackle those small little problems that kind of creep up because, you know, they do. Life. we're in a broken world that, <laughs> and things break and things get misplaced. But maintenance is a whole lot easier than inventing a wheel, you know, and inventing a structure or a system. Imagine the world change that would take place if we moms did the knee-bending work of prayer for our homes. If we spent just as much time praying as we do providing perfect childhoods, perfect days, perfect dinners. Our kids need perfection, that's true, but it won't ever be found in us. That's a gift only Jesus can lavish on them. 
If Kate, September, and I could encourage you in just one thing, it would be prayer. Nothing will be more powerful in the life of your kids and in your relationship with them than bringing them to the throne of the all-powerful one who can move heaven and earth on their behalf. To help direct your thoughts to specific prayer points found in Scripture, we've put together a month-long series of prayer cards called 30 Days of Prayer for My Child. Each card contains a prayer theme, a verse that correlates with that theme, and a brief sample prayer to help you call upon God to be faithful to His Word in light of your kids. To grab a set of your own, head to September and Co. Shop on Etsy. Pray for your kids today, because if you're not praying for them, who will be? Do you have any go-to tools, Christy, or items that you continue to use over and over again for organization? For organizing, we, well, I'm like my labeler. (laughs) That's definitely a go-to tool. And it's funny because actually I was just recently um, interviewed on Focus on the Family and it was so funny because Jim Daly, he's like, seriously, you label your refrigerator. And I'm like, you know what? I do because not always, like right now we have a new refrigerator. So trying to get kids to understand it's helpful to have labels, but we had another family living with us. And I got so tired of finding like four applesauces open, three um, peanut butter and jellies open because everybody's just kind of shoving things in. And so it was helpful for me to create a, you know, a strategy for where things should be so people know where to look and then same thing in the pantry. So the rule was you're not allowed to open another can until you actually look where it's supposed to be and then do a quick glance to see if it didn't go where it was supposed to be. But there was just so many people in the house at that time that I needed some structure. So my labeler is definitely one tool, but I'll say this, I think it's really important to have the right tools in the right places just for overall order. So in the bathroom, for instance, it's not so much like organization, but from a cleaning standpoint, every bathroom in my house has a, you know, a little can or a little canister of those, you know, wipe up things. So like some bleach wipes, I'll just say Clorox wipes. So there's a little ad for Clorox. No, but <laughs> we have Clorox wipes. Um, we have, I have a toilet plunger in every single bathroom. Cause I'm telling you, like, there's nothing worse than having a poor guest need a plunger and not have not have it. We have enough teenagers who come to our house. I'm just not going to do that to any of them. So I have a plunger in there. We have a toilet brush. We have just some quick little, you know, clean, just different things that we'll need in the bathroom, of course, like supplies, but it helps with, um, in that case that if somebody, um, we'll just go back to small children. If somebody misses, I show them where the wipes are and how to clean that up. And so, you know, if things don't flush down properly the first time or two, then um, I show them how to use a toilet brush and how to scrub real quick. And just little things like that. It's just um, making it fun. Like how fun can it be to clean a toilet? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, you know, keeping tools like that around. And even for laundry, we have one of my favorite laundry tools is called a flip fold. And it's this fun little thing that the kids got so excited. It's been over a year since we got this thing and they still love it. Um, it's those little units that they use in the store, like at the gap and stuff to like perfectly fold things, but the kids have fun cause they can, everybody can smooth out a t-shirt and they just go flip, flip, flip. And it's like perfect. I think it's important for us moms too. I know for a long time, my spice drawer was like the Bermuda triangle of kitchen cupboards. And I was, it would take me so much time to find, you know, whatever spice I was looking for, because it was just an absolute chaotic mess. And, and then I would find myself 
buying the same spices that I already had in there. I just didn't know it because there was no organization. Just spending like $4 to buy a cheap plastic right. Lazy Susan has just revolutionized my spice cupboard. And it makes me not dread cooking with spices. So I think having just the right tool that functions mm -hmm. the way it's supposed to can, can really um, help in many, many ways, especially for those non-type A moms. Oh, totally. And like a lazy Susan is a great example um, for what to use in those deep or hard to reach areas too. You can maximize a cupboard by using that. And I have several lazy Susans in my refrigerator for all those, you know, sauces and things like that. And it just makes it easier to just to spin it. And then you can, cause refrigerators are different. Like some of them are longer, some of them are deeper. And it's like, there's pros and cons to both, but I found by having a lazy Susan and different things like that. But you know, I want to say this is that we can get caught up in the trappings of needing to buy things. So often we think I need to get organized container store. Like you were saying, like, you know, those people went in to organize and that's great. And man, I would love to have everything matching in every closet and every pantry, but I don't, we don't choose to spend our money that way. I, it's not even that like we don't, it's not that I don't have the money. I choose not to spend the money on things like that. And I think that's important is you need to look and see what you have. First, you need to figure out the system. So for me in my bathroom, my bathroom counters were always a mess. And I realized I just needed a place to put things. So I just rearranged how I was putting things in a drawer and I used the containers that I already had. So I kind of like went around the house and I'm like, oh, look, here's a Tupperware container that's missing a lid. So that became, you know, a, a container I needed. I had a desk drawer that I wasn't really using. And so I could empty out the, you know, what few things I had in those little desk organizers. And I stuck that in a drawer in my bathroom. So you don't always need to go out and buy new things in order to get organized. You can often use boxes and containers that you already have. I mean, for heaven's sakes, I mean, Amazon for one order might send you 10 boxes. So, you know, see how you can break those down and create your own things. And it's amazing what you can do with duct tape. That's all I can say. <laughs> Good point. Good point. So Christy school has started and whether a mom is sending her kids off to a traditional school Maybe she's chosen to homeschool or is doing some sort of hybrid model, um, some in-person and some online. The chaos of getting kids out the door or started on the, the day, first thing in the morning, can be overwhelming for moms. Do you have any tips for the mom trying to smooth out the before school routine or maybe tips for the mom who really struggles with transition, like when her kids come mm. home from school or maybe at the end of the homeschool day when everything is brought home or left out and dinner needs to be started? Do you have any tips for that, mom? Um, I do. So the first part, so when you're looking at how to prepare for the morning time, my biggest recommendation is to prepare the night before. So my night before, I make sure that I know, because we homeschool, so I make sure I know where everything is that we'll need in the morning for our homeschool day. I'll make sure, you know, like, things are kind of, kind of staged, not completely. It's not like I'm, I mean, I guess I could go around and put cereal bowls at everybody's table, but we don't do that. I just make sure we're clean and we're ready. And, um, and I would know where things are, but we did used to have our kids in a traditional school. And so for those cases, I was literally making sure I had their backpacks by the door. Their schoolwork actually was in their backpacks or, you know, a big routine. I'll, I'll get to the flip side of that, making sure that they have put their schoolwork in their backpacks. Um, and the biggest thing for me was making sure I had two, not one, but two shoes by the back door, because I can't tell you how many times I would get to school and get to the school to drop a kid off. And 
suddenly somebody's forgot they just jumped in the car without shoes on so i could get one kid dropped off but not the other kid and i had to go nurse in the parking lot because then i you know it was like one of those like ah um it's one of my favorite parts about homeschooling is not having to do the morning <laughs> rush but preparing the night before so if you want to have a quiet time if you want to go for a run or things like that make sure you know where all the elements are that you need for that so you know having a, a journal in one room and a bible in another room isn't going to help you just to wake up and start your day in the word so you want to have those you know together i have a little quiet time basket that has everything i want in one basket so i can move it to room to room if i needed to um if i'm gonna work out then i make sure that i do put those clothes I, i'm not a big like put your clothes out before you wake out know what you're gonna wear the next day i'm definitely the stand in front of my closet and go hmm what will we wear today type of person so i i could work on that but if i am gonna work out and i'm trying to do it before everybody gets up and and all of you know all of those things and i'm making sure that all of my clothes are out and i can quickly put them on quietly and get out the door and get back now um for that transition time that you're talking about when you're picking your kids up from school so i'll kind of separate it out so school at home versus traditional if you if you are in a state where they actually have schools open um then a great transition it sounds cheesy but it's good is food have a fun little snack maybe you have a little teapot ready to go um, and you can have some tea maybe you are doing you know different things like that where you just have a little transition moment um maybe it is something where you know it doesn't have to be food related but maybe you just have some time just to sit and hang out maybe you play a game and then get homework out and get started with that but i usually find that kids transition very well with eating so you know whether it's just graham crackers or like just an apple or you know sometimes i'll slice up apples and i'll sprinkle cinnamon on it and it looks so fancy and it tastes so yummy and it's like totally delicious um, but then on the flip side, if you're at home, you can transition like that as well. But we've just kind of found during the day that um, we, especially right now with the new school year, we're working really hard this year and making sure that we are finishing where we put things. So um, every year I'm kind of identifying like what what's getting left out and how can we make this work better? So this year I just have, um, because since we remodeled, I'm like, I should go back. We remodeled our house last year. And now that's the only, I can't get my kids to do schoolwork in the schoolroom anymore. We, which is fine. We don't need it. It's kind of our landing place where all the school books are, but um, we homeschool downstairs in our family room now. And so I have clipboards and a binder for the kids where they keep their weekly work. Um, and so I just got an extra crate um, that we had in the house and everybody puts their binder and their clipboard and any books they're reading for that week in that crate so everything goes into the crate and so if i find it out i just am telling my kids okay go put get it go grab it and put it in the crate and one trick i have for that is if there's a chore or you know an item left out instead of feeling like i'm nagging so i'll tell the child once if they're not in the room and i can't you know because sometimes you know, like especially my older kids, they might be in another area of the house. I write it down on us. I have a small whiteboard that I keep on my counter. So when I find things or, or a chore or project that somebody needs to work on, I just write their name and the project down and it's instant accountability and it's off my mind. So I'm not sitting there going, why haven't they done this yet? I have to now remember these five projects that five different people in my house have to get done. It's just right there. So when they come in the room, everybody knows, just check that. 
and it gets done. So um, there's lots of different ways to transition throughout the day. And so that's, that's definitely one is, um, and to have things to look forward to. Um, so that's always a big thing too, is creating fun. So that was a whole lot of different elements to that question, <laughs> but hopefully whoever's <laughs> listening in will, you know, gravitate to what it is that, that area that they're struggling in. Cause some people might be really great at morning time and like, I have no idea what to do in the afternoon. So, you know, maybe plan some fun or maybe they're the opposite. So. I think the through line in all of that is you, you mentioned, you know, teach and train your kids. I think establishing mm -hmm. habits require actually walking through and um, pretending that this is a real drill. We're, this is a drill. We're practicing this thing and we're going to keep practicing it until it becomes a habit. It's the yep. same with us, but it's especially true of our kids. We can't just expect them to know where this thing goes or that thing goes or what to do after this event or activity to actually walk them through and establish a habit through thorough practice. See, who knew we could learn so much from Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid? Wax on, <laughs> wax off. I'm telling you, that's all it is. You're just literally helping your kids wax on, wax off. So <laughs> over and over again, and then it suddenly starts clicking. Very true, very true. Hey, Christy, you know, we're right in the middle of a season change. And for those of us who live in places with climate extremes, well, that means we've got to reorganize our closets to reflect the temperature. And for a lot of moms, that means we're going to be dragging bins of winter clothes mm -hmm. up from the basement or down from the attic. We've got to pack away all our summer clothes and assess any wardrobe needs. So do you have any ideas for making this a more efficient process? Absolutely. Well, one thing that I think everybody needs to be careful of is, is making sure when they are changing out for the season that they know where those bins are in case there's that crazy like shift in the weather because there's nothing worse than, I mean, I, we live in San Diego, so we don't have huge climate changes and I'm not normally having to completely gut out my closet, but we go to the snow and we do different things, you know, like that where suddenly it's like, I want to be ready to be able to do things. So when you are um, storing things away, bins are great. And the way I do try to label a bin is I label it by <laughs> gender. So is it boy clothes or girl clothes? Um, because everyone's going to grow during that season. So boy clothes or girl clothes, I will actually label the season. Um, so I might say winter or, you know, summer. So sometimes just starting you know, like, so that I, those are the two big ones. Um, and then writing down the general ages or the general size of those clothes. Um, and even if there's multiple ones in there, um, so that way you can grab it out if you need it. Um, if, if you no longer have younger ones that you're saving things for, then please get rid of those things too. Like, that's what I think we get in a really bad habit of is like, Oh, I'll save it. I'll, you know, and then I used to tell myself, well, just in case we have friends visiting who have a two-year-old and need a snowsuit, if we happen to go to the snow, it's like, why am I doing that? You know, that's ridiculous. So I just try to bless somebody and give away this cute little two-year-old snow outfit that I no longer need. So um, when you are approaching that seasonal time, uh, what I like to try to think of when I'm just even changing out my closet, because I definitely go, I mean, even in California, I go from shorts to jeans, <laughs> I go from different things. So it's a lot of times it's availability and it depends on the size of your clothing storage, whether or not you're all dressers or all closets, have a big closet, have a small closet. So that's going to really play into things. Um, but you're kind of staging things. So the way I have things in my closet is I have my long sleeve and warmer clothes on one side and I have my short sleeves to tank tops. So my closet kind of goes tank tops to short sleeves to long sleeves to sweaters. And so it makes it easier for me to kind of be working in a zone. And if I need more space in my closet, then I can just take a section 
collection out and I can put it in a bin. But if you kind of have things more accessible that you need readily, then that's important. But always make, again, making sure <laughs> because I mean, in Colorado, they just had this like, goodness, like 50 degree, you know, weather change in one day. So it's like you're wearing shorts and a tank top on one day and you need your snow outfit for the next day. It was ridiculous. And that happens all the time. I mean, even here in San Diego, it'll go from being sunny and beautiful to being really cold and it'll be like July. And we're like, what, what is this cold weather? Where are my jeans? Um, so just making sure you're really being wise and kind of prepping for those moments. So you have things together. So it's not like I have to, I don't have to sort through my entire closet because my, my clothes are somewhat categorized by the way I'm just naturally keeping them. So it's easy for me to know where things are when I need them. You know, I was thinking when you were talking about um, everything having its place and being organized and ways to avoid being a drill sergeant to our kids, you know, making lists instead of yelling through the house and not being too particular, training them how to do things. It also made me think about, you know, how many, like in our home, we have a lot of different children with different passions and pursuits, hobbies, things they like to collect. Um, mm -hmm. One of my daughters likes to collect nature. I'll find rocks and acorns in the washing machine, you know, things that are just like, my husband's a builder. I'll find screws and, and nails in the washing machine and all of these people. How do we avoid being overwhelmed by the clutter, you know, with all of these different passions and pursuits and hobbies? I think it, it really, like you were saying, it comes down to creating a space for that. So Legos, um, like the Lego creations. So I put up some shelving units so my son could display his Legos. Um, art is a big thing, you know, when you have artistic kids. So sometimes there's apps. I think there's one called Archive that I just was introduced to. You can take a picture of their art and at the end of the year, you can create a book and, um, and it's done. I take pictures of my art, but the, our favorite pieces, we have like a little portfolio that we keep for each kid. And so that's separated by age. Um, so you can do that with, with different things. Um, if they're collectors, then maybe creating some jars um, for them to put those items in. Cause we, you know, a lot of the kids sometimes will grab like shells or rocks from the beach when we go down to the beach. Um, so creating a place for that and a fun way to do that is, is encouraging them to pick their very favorite. So what part of this, you know, is your very favorite. And so maybe it is something that can go in a jar and be displayed on a shelf because it's not worth having a collection if it's just going to go under the bed. Um, because most likely they're going to go out of that, you know, having then you just have all these acorns or rocks or something. So creating a place that they can stage it and a contained place. So maybe it's a shelf and they have to select what they want to display on that shelf in whichever manner they want. And one fun tip that I really love helping people realize with this is take a picture of them in that element. So if they're collecting rocks on the beach, take a picture of them at the beach holding rocks. If they're out in nature and collecting different things like that, take a picture of that and put that picture on the shelf because it brings everything to life. And then it also makes sense to those in your home because I think it's important for our homes to reflect the people who are in them. Um, you know, and it personalizes our home. So people come in, they're like, man, you got rocks all over your house. And it's just like, if they see a picture of, they have a, a location and a picture of that child with the rocks and boom, they, everybody knows exactly what that is. And then you have more grace in that space too. Yeah. As somebody who has a child who has a million passions, I think giving them a specific space, not only puts value and shows that you put value on their passion, even if it's not your passion. I think it also gives them some agency too, because I can say, okay, son, this is your space for all of your, your clay projects. He loves 
that's one of his pet projects is um, making things with clay. So this is your space and you get to decide what goes here. But once the space is filled, if you make something else, you have to assess and reevaluate what is up there and perhaps shift the priority of what's up there. And maybe some of the things have to um, be removed from the the space, maybe given away or even thrown mm-hmm. away after you've enjoyed it for a time, but you get to decide. It's giving him a secondary skill, which is decision-making and ownership for yes. the things that he has, prioritizing them based on what he finds important. But it's first and foremost, giving value to mm-hmm. what he values. So here's the question, Christy, as a person who also loves organization, I have to admit that I have one secret sloppy place where I just let everything go and I don't worry about. So I am wondering if there are any sort of pick your battles kind of scenarios for you too. Have you decided to just let something just slide? So if I were to come and do a home inspection of the Clover House right now, would I find maybe a linen closet in disarray or a basket of unmatched socks, heaven forbid, or a drawer of miscellaneous junk. For me, I'll admit mine if you're willing to admit yours. For me, it's the bottom of my purse is just an absolute nightmare. And I don't even care because it's the one thing that I just let go and don't worry about. What about you? Well, okay. So here you go. My biggest problem area is always my closet because I am going in and out. So I can't, I, I might be able to have a nice tidy house everywhere else, but I will guarantee you my closet is my very last priority because it's just, I'm just getting dressed and going out. Like that's, it's not my space that I need to have being perfect all the time. So it's not unusual for me to have collections in there. And I do try to periodically go in and clean it up. And I would say that it used to be my bathroom sink too, but I created this new system over a year ago and my bathroom sink stays nice and tidy now and I love it. So, um, but yeah, my, my biggest area is most likely going to be my, um, my, my closet. Whereas on the flip side, if you were going to come to my house, the one area that you will almost always find organized uh, I mean, get, I, I say that I'm like, wait, maybe not right now, but <laughs> most likely it's always going to be my pantry because my pantry is a very containable area for me. So it's an area where I am in most of the time. Um, so I am, it's like, if I'm going to be crazy about one space, that's my space. I let myself be crazy in, <laughs> but it's, it is funny. Cause like every, everybody's got their own threshold and you've got to know, you've got to know your threshold and you've got to know your priority areas too. So um, that's a big thing is you need to know what your priority area is that like, is there a th- something that's going to drive you insane that has to stay organized or is there something that doesn't and you don't really care about it? So, yeah, I agree. I think organization is such a personal thing. What bothers mm-hmm. me isn't going to necessarily bother the next person and vice versa. And so for me, I don't care that my, my um, purse looks like it needs a hazmat suit to, to get into it. It doesn't bother me, but it might bother someone else. In fact, it bothers my husband a lot. So that might warrant some rethinking. Anyway, organization is definitely, I'm a like, I've got an thing. insert for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried those. It's just an area I'm willing to let go and, and give yeah. myself, that's the one area where I can just say, yeah, I don't care and give myself grace. I love it. 
organization, I think, is a learnable skill that will help mm-hmm. you quiet your spaces and quiet your life, just like Christy was, was explaining today. The key to remember is that the systems and the structures you put in place have to be sustainable to you. They have to be maintainable. So keep it simple. Don't strive for form, strive for function. Thank you so much for joining us, Christy. This has been delightful. So very helpful. If you want to learn more of Christy's secrets to controlling the chaos, be sure to check out her book, MOM, Master Organizers of Mayhem. We hope this has been a helpful discussion for you. We'd love to continue chatting over on Facebook or Instagram. So join us over there and give us your best tips for getting organized and staying organized. And as always, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in. It takes less than two minutes and is a great way to spread the word about the podcast to other moms who could use some encouragement.